We thank you, Father, for your mercy, your grace, and your goodness. We thank you, Father, for sending your Son, not only, Lord God, to live upon this earth, but die for our sins, Lord, that we may live a resurrected life. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't leave us in the tragedy, Lord God, of the sin that we had fallen in, but, Lord, you brought us back into sonship. And, Lord, we love you. Father, I need the anointing of your Spirit today. I need the power, Lord, that only comes by the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. Lord, your word is anointed. I pray that you, Lord God, would allow your anointing, Lord, to open our hearts to see you in a new light. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to look here as, look here. All right, let's just move back. Okay, let's look here in Luke seven, Luke 2 and verse 7. The story, the verse here, where Mary brings forth the Christ child. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. She brought forth her firstborn son. Now look with me in John 3, verses 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. In just a minute, I'm going to tie these two verses together. But I'm going to present something to you this morning, um, a thought when it comes to our belief and behavior. How many would agree with me that behavior dictates our belief? Let me, I said that backwards, but I'm glad you agree with that. I, I noticed I said it backwards because I got a cross-eyed look from my wife on the front row. Let me say it right. Our belief, our belief, what I believe will dictate my behavior. That sounds a little bit better, doesn't it? We can't... Let's just move on here. Before Christ, now, now, now get this. I want you to get this in your spirit. Before Christ, our belief was enslaved in our dark nature. Would you agree with that? Before I came into the knowledge of Christ, my belief was enslaved to my dark nature. But after Christ... After Jesus, after the cross, my belief is liberated by Christ's light. Are you getting this? Belief dictates behavior. Away from Christ and without a relationship with the Lord, I am bound to my dark nature 
But once I come into relationship with God, God awakens my heart with the light of His glorious good news. When my belief changes, then my behavior will follow. Do you agree with that? If, my, if I believe that I am victorious, I will start walking victorious. What is this you're doing, preacher? This is the victorious walk. I want everybody to walk out of here today walking like this, okay? If my belief never changes, then my behavior is paralyzed. If I don't believe that Jesus Christ not only lived, died, rose again, and I live with Christ, I died with Christ, but also rose again with Christ. He died, but he didn't stay in the grave. He died and he rose again on the third day. It's good news. See, if I continue to walk, and this is where it's going to mess some of you up, because so many times we play this card. We play this, well, I'm warring against my flesh. I'm warring against my lower nature. But let me just say it this way. If I continue to walk in darkened understanding, it is no longer a nature issue, rather a belief issue. See, when the Lord gave himself up as a sacrifice to bring us back into relationship with the Father, the Bible tells us that the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom, not from bottom to top. We couldn't fix ourselves. The entrance, the avenue, the ability, the, 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 the connectedness that we would have with God, the, is, it, is, it doesn't come with the dual nature. No, God tore the, the veil of the temple from the top to the bottom, opening an entryway for you and I to live in relationship with God. But if I'm not living victorious, it's not be- after I become a child of God. If I'm not living victorious, it's not due to a lower nature issue, understand. It's due to a belief issue. Because I now have the nature of Christ living on the inside of me, but I have a responsibility to pursue the Lord and the truth of God. Now, as we look to the Word of the Lord, and we're going to get back to our text in just a minute. We're just laying the groundwork. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? See, the Lord came to reconcile us to Him, not Him to us. And the Lord's desire is that we walk with Him but we were not in agreement with him. And so he brought us back to the place where at bringing us out of this darkened nature to bring us into the relationship by giving the light of his love into our heart. How can two walk together unless they agreed? Now, just for, your, just for your notes, you can write these down. Colossians 1, 19 through 20, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 19. But for it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell. It pleased the Father that in Jesus all of the fullness of the Godhead would dwell. 
and by him, by Christ Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself, which includes you and I. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, having been made peace through the blood of the cross. If you don't have peace in your heart, let me encourage you just to go back to the cross. Because your peace has been reconciled with God. He's reconciled all things unto himself. Now, the title of this morning's message is this. The Generous Father. The Generous Father. I want you to note there in, in John's gospel there, the third chapter, for God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't say for God so loved the world that he took. He said the Lord, the God, the Father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Now, it is perplexing to me how that we, the world, fueled by hell itself, has so defamed the Father, making him out to be a greedy, stingy Father, looking for an opportunity just to take humanity out. But the word of the Lord, as we declare is the truth of God, does not depict the Father as such. But it says the Father gave. He's the original giver. He's the original releaser. He is the one who gives. Now, as you look here to the word of the Lord, and I think about the parable of the, of the prodigal son, which in my estimation should have a different title. It's just me, but I'm not taking anything from the word of God. I'm just telling you because so many times we put the prodigal as the hero of the story, and he's not the hero of the story. The father is the hero of the story. I, I like to call the the, the, the parable of the prodigal son, the, the parable of my three sons. Wait a minute, preacher. I've read the book, and I, it only mentions two sons. It mentions the prodigal, and it also mentions the elder brother in the house. But you, you need to take into account that there's another son, and it's his voice that you're hearing. He's telling the story. There's two sons. One wants all of his inheritance to go blow it on himself. The other one is uh, just swell up like a toad because uh, he's thinking he's missing out on something. But see, the prodigal wants the stuff, and it's the father who gives him the stuff. It's the elder in the house that says, uh, I don't like it because little brother got something that should have been mine and he's not worthy. And we need, to, we need to take back what you've given him so he doesn't even come into the house and celebrate his brother's return. And the father's response is this. You stinking, rotten, little stingy cuss. If you're reading that translation, it's not inspired, Okay. What did the father say? He said, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. Why? Why? We're celebrating a life of someone who came back. Yes, he didn't do what he was supposed to do, and no, he's not the hero of the story. It's the father. 
It's the Son, the true Son, telling the heart of the Father. The Father is a generous Father. For God so gave, so loved the world that He gave. It is the Father's nature to be generous. It is who He is. I love a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, I can't even remember now, but the Lord just dropped something in my heart I'd never seen before. It was Acts 4 and 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart. Oh, I tell you, God is molding and making and shaping His people into one heart. And one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. Wow. But they had all things common. They had all things common. And this is what the Lord dropped in my heart just in the middle of worship. I love when we get into worship. We get into the presence of God. The Spirit of God begins to move. And as the Spirit of the Lord begins to move, God begins to speak to us. And He spoke something to me that I just could not hold back. See, whenever the church, the early church, was, was seeing the needs of their brother, and they realized that what they had, or they took on the mindset of this, what I have is not just mine, it belongs to the purpose of the Father. I'm going to give to my brother if I see them in need, and my brother's going to give to me if he sees me in need. And this was the revelation, that they are imitating, emulating the Father. Because God the Father has made what He has common to us. What is His is mine, and what is mine is His. He's a generous God, generous Father. He gives to us freely. Hear me, hear me. Romans 8, 31 and 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The Lord said, go out, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. Freely you have received, freely give. What is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Well, according to Corinthians 1, 2, and 4, it says but that we might know the Spirit lets us know the things which we have freely given to us by God. We don't earn this salvation. We don't earn the power of God. We don't earn the, any of our rights and privileges. We don't earn the right to fly. We just need to learn how to fly. Freely you have been given. Freely receive. What does the Spirit do? Reveals to us things that were freely given to us. It was the Lord who spared not his own son. How much more will he not freely give us all things? I don't know about you, but that sounds like a really, 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 really stingy God. It's quite the opposite, wouldn't you say? It's quite the opposite, wouldn't you say? It is the, the fact that God is not a stingy God, for He's the original giver. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But we need to understand the purpose of God's giving. 
is so wonderful that the Christ came to this earth. Jesus was born of a virgin. But what was the purpose of the Father giving His only begotten Son, His firstborn Son? What was the purpose of that? Hebrews 2 and 10, and I know I'm covering some Scripture. Hebrews 2 and 10, the purpose of the Father's giving in His generous heart. I want you to get that in your spirit if you don't get anything else. In fact, if you need to write it down to remind yourself, I want you to write, write it down. But when you pray and you pray to the Father, I want you to say this, Father, I come to you because I know that you are a Father who has a generous heart. Oh, my Father with a generous heart. Lord, I just want to worship you and praise you because you are worthy. There's nothing I have that, is, that, that is, I have received that is good that didn't come from you. The air that I breathe, the, the consciousness of my mind, uh, the family that I have, or the relationships around me, the opportunity to minister the word of truth, uh, everything that I have, the calling, the purpose, the word, the blood, the salvation, uh, all of the goodness comes from God. Uh, that's not a stingy God. Uh, that's a father with a generous heart. Uh, for he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that, that if I would believe uh, that I could become, as Hebrews 2 and 10 tells us, for it was fitting for him. I sound a little South Texas, didn't it? Fitting. Fitting. Fitting for him. Whom were all things and by whom are all things. In bringing many sons to glory. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. What was the purpose of giving the son it was to bring sons bring sons to glory the purpose of the father giving the son is so that you and I may become a son that you and I may take on the image the identity and receive the inheritance of a son we're praying on Saturday mornings. We're praying as a church because we need the revelation of sonship. The revelation of sonship. And when you pray, I want you to pray in these three areas. Lord, let us bear your image. Let us walk in your identity. And Lord, let us live in the inheritance that you've given us. The revelation of a son. Image means this. Textbook definition is simply this. And this is the reason the Father, the generous heart of the Father, gave His Son so that we can become sons, so that we may bear the image of God. Image is this, a physical likeness of the external form of a person. The physical likeness of an external form of of a person. Now, Jesus said this repeatedly. He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Let me tell you, church, when the world sees us, they should see the Father. And as you have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the heavenly man image. I know it's been said, and you understand the phrase, image is everything. 
You understand that in a worldly point of view, but let me tell you, on the flip side of that, as humble children of God, to understand that image is everything. That I am not of the world, nor am I born. I may have been born in the flesh, but I have been born again in the spirit. I may have started out with a heritage, a history, and some really bad habits. But let me tell you, that's not me anymore. Because there's been a line drawn in the sand. Church, you've stepped over. You're not of those who shrink back. You're not of those who, sh- who fall back to the wayside. Your eyes are fixed. And your heart is full of the love of the Father. So we see as we look to the Word of God. When we pray, we pray, Father, I want to bear your image. But not only image, but identity. Identity is defined as this. The fact of being a person who is. I is what I is. And I'm not quoting Popeye. I am what I am. Identity. Identity is being who you are. Who am I? Because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. Therefore, you are no longer a slave. I ain't earning anything. I'm just receiving but a son, and if a son, then an heir. Mm. Heir of God through Christ. So my image is the image of the Father. I am to bear the image because I was, I do look like some of my family members, though I, I always say that I'm adopted. Nobody believes me because I look so much like my other family members. But I may have bore the image of the person of dust, but I have been born again to my eternal family, to my eternal father, to my true father. And I bear his image. And we need to let the world see that image. But my identity is not that of a slave. It's not that of a slave. I believe it's time we get out of the slave mentality. What is a slave mentality? It's always looking at what you have earned in order to get the favor of God. It's always looking at uh, how much you have done in order to get from the Father. But let me tell you, the, the, the ministry and the identity of a son is not so much concerned about what you will get or not get, but your heart is for the heart of the Father. To say, Father, what do you want? What do you need? What do you desire? I don't want to be the child who, who lives in the diapers for the rest of my life. I want to grow up into the weos, fully matured sons of God, so that I'm not so much concerned about how other people affect me, but how I can be about my father's business. Because my father has some business. If you miss Wednesday night, you need to be here this Wednesday night. And if you didn't get it, you need to go listen to the recording. Because here's the truth, church. You have been born not in crisis. You have been born for crisis. The Lord knew what was going to happen upon this earth. And so he divinely chose you to be here now in order to offset and be the answer 
that the world is looking for. Mm. Let's get to the, the getting stuff here now. Inheritance. So we have image, we have identity, and now we are children of God, and so we have inheritance. Now I was looking at the textbook definitions of these things, and I, I came across inheritance, and it just is what it is, whether it's biblical or whether it's just a, a, a textbook, Merriam-Webster. Inheritance is the act of legal reception of the deceased possessions. Inheritance. Did you get that? When I pass, when Andrea passes, my three children will equally divide everything they receive. Jacob's pointing at himself. And if they don't, now if I can't get back, I'm going to send some angels. If I get up there and they're fighting over the, the stuff, the temporal, then there's going to be an issue. And if I can't get to them then, I'm going to meet them at the gate. I'm going to say, before you get in here, I know you got a loving father that, that is on the throne, but your, your earthly father is about to whip your hide before you walk in here because we need to get that straight. I'm not going through eternity with this on my conscience, okay? I've seen too many families fussing over stuff that's not going to be here forever. They're bickering over stuff that's going to rot and mold and rust away. But see, I was looking at this inheritance. In order for my children to receive inheritance, see, that's where the prodigal was, was so egregious. See, because to get inheritance, the parent has to die. Jacob's welcome to all of my stuff, but he doesn't get all of my stuff until I'm gone. Amen? He takes it anyway. He gets it all anyway right now, but that's the joy of parenting. But you see, one day he'll have the legal right, and he wants to ask for it. He'll just have it because it's given to him. Inheritance cannot be received until the one who has written the will passes away. And then you follow their will to receive that inheritance. Interesting. When a man wants to give his money to someone after he dies, he writes it all down on paper. But that paper is worth nothing until that man dies. That piece of paper means nothing as long as he is alive. It is good only when he dies. What was I reading? I was reading out of Hebrews 9 and 16. Here's another translation that says it this way. In the case of a wheel, it is a necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. Jesus Christ's death was proven by those who saw him upon the cross. 
his death is proven because we understand. He said, I can't go to the Father. I, I can't release to you the person of the Holy Spirit in the fullness until I get to the Father. We know that he made it to the Father because the Holy Spirit has returned and he lives inside of us. Because a will is in force only when somebody has died. Never takes effect while the person is still living. Now, you thought I forgot about my text. Mary, the Bible says, purposely, she brought forth her, not Joseph, her firstborn son. Her firstborn son. She had children after, but Jesus was her firstborn. If he stayed, if Jesus had stayed in the grave, he would have just been another man. An extraordinary man, but still a man. By raising from the dead, he became more than Mary's firstborn child. When he became the firstborn he became the firstborn of a new race of man. With the new race comes an inheritance. But that inheritance could not be passed to you and I without his death. I'm going to wait a minute. I'm going to wait a minute. Jesus became the firstborn of humanity when he raised from the dead. Why did Jesus Christ come? Because of the generous heart of the Father. So loved us that he gave his only, his firstborn, his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. Not just not perish, but live as not as slaves but as sons. And not just as, not just as sons but bearing the image of the Father. Walking the identity of sonship. But also living in an inheritance that was bestowed upon them because of the death of the firstborn son. Oh, that's good. That's, that's gooder than good. That's the goodest. Amen? That's pretty good stuff, wouldn't you say? Because Colossians says he's the firstborn from the dead. Romans tells us he's the firstborn among many brethren. And Colossians tells us that he's the firstborn over all creation. He's the firstborn. Now, the firstborn would carry the father's blessing. The firstborn son received the double portion of the inheritance. The firstborn son had the right of the redeemer. He could purchase individuals out of slavery, buy back the land that was lost. They were the advocate, the protector, and the avenger. That was the firstborn son. But I want to cue in on the double portion. Because I've looked at that in so many different ways. And the double portion was given to the firstborn not so they could hoard it, but so that they could take care of the family. They've given a double portion. And if, uh, if, if 
if there was need in the family, they had the ability and the means in order to take care of the needs of that family. But it's more than that. It's more than that. That's just a, a, a superficial layer, if you will. A double portion is this, that God has given you and I the rights of the firstborn because he was the firstborn of Mary. He was the firstborn that walked the earth without sin, not a, not a measure of sin, no civil sin, no moral sin, no sin at all. He did not break the law. He fulfill the law so he had victory on earth but he died the cruelty of the cross the cross could not keep at the grave had no right to him he rose again on that third day and now he gives us victory on earth and he gives us victory in heaven he gives us victory in life and he gives us victory in death. He has given us an inheritance that beyond measure. It's a double portion. I, I live one of these days, this whole body may hit the ground. It may return to dust. Or the trump may sound, and I may be near a graveyard and see the dead in Christ. Those of you that have lost loved ones hear me. They may not be in this realm, but if they are born again, they are in the eternal realm. And you may not see them in this life, but you're going to see them in the life to come. I'm reminded of late how precious life is. I'm reminded of late how precious those moments we have and how aware I am of the eternal impact of the choices we make. We do not want to live our lives without bearing the image of the Father. We don't want to live our lives as slaves, but we want to identify ourselves as sons of the Almighty God. But we don't want to live just receiving a resurrection to come. We want to walk in that resurrection today. For God so loved the world. See, if Jesus stayed in the grave, he would be no different than you and I. Just another man. Just another person. Just another prophet. But he's not just another man. He's not just another Adam. He's the last. He's the last. Adam. We don't need another sacrifice because a sacrifice is already made. The heart of the generous father you know where this message came from? I was dreaming. And the Lord, by the Spirit, just spoke to me. My heart is generous. I woke up with a spring in my step. Woo! About two days ago. I thought, man, oh man. We don't serve a stingy God. We serve a glorious, wonderful, magnificent Father who loves to give good gifts to His children. All we think about receiving the gifts. You know where the joy of the Father comes from? It's by giving the gifts. He wants to see the look on your face when you come to the revelation that you have all things through the Son, Jesus Christ. He wants you to tear that box of, of, of precious 
resources of joy and hope and peace. And when you realize that he's not a bad God, he's a good God. He's a generous father. And all of a sudden, it brings a smile to his face because you get it. You're a child of God. You're loved of the Lord. It doesn't matter your occupation. It doesn't matter your social standing. It doesn't matter the things that you may be, the livelihood that, that, that has fallen into your path. What matters is you're a child of the king. You're a king's kid. You're loved. What would happen if my belief begin to change. My behavior might follow. I might get into him with Shelba up here. I might borrow Matt's sunglasses. I might be thumping that bass like Joseph. Singing like Elijah. I know, don't tempt me. I'll let you, don't let me dance. And I can whistle. I can whistle in tune. I can't sing worth a flip, but I can whistle. My lips are dry or wood, show out, but I'm not going to. Not going to. Joyful noise, that's right. Joyful noise. You people with talent, not using your talent, shame on you. Let me have it. I'll take it. I'll show it out. <laughs> Mary brought forth her firstborn son. The father brought forth his firstborn son. Not to keep me away from him, but in order that I may step into relationship with him. That's good news. That's great news. If we live our lives as slaves, shrinking under the thought of the evil-hearted father when he comes in, what kind of mood is he going to be in today? I wonder if he remembers what I did yesterday. We're waiting to see if he's up or down today. That's not the father we serve. We serve the father who's looking down the road at his son who's gone astray. Who when he asked for his inheritance, what he was saying is, I wish you were dead. Don't glamorize the prodigal. He's not, he shouldn't be glamorized. That's humanity. I said, I, I want the stuff of God, but I don't want God. I wish, for, as for inheritance, is to say, I wish you were dead. Just give me the stuff. And the father is there looking down the road in anticipation of the day that his son would come back. I can't make his choices, but I'll give him a choice. I will let my goodness speak for myself. And it was in the midst of that, that hunger. 
Oh God, give us a ravenous hunger. In the midst of that hunger, I can't choke down any more of this pig feed. I don't want any more slop of the world. Even my goodness and my father is better than what they, he treats his servants better than this. I'm going back to my father who is good and ask him if I could just be a slave in his house. And the father looks down the road and he sees his son coming. He doesn't wait on an attendant. He doesn't look for a carriage. He throws off his robe and he runs after him. And then he embraces his son and he kisses him and he puts a ring of authority on his finger, shoes on his feet and a robe on his back. And he says, go out and kill the fatty calf. We're going to have a party tonight. the goodness of the Father. God so loved. The Father so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that if I would believe I would not perish but I would have everlasting life. That I may walk in His image the identity of a son live in victory in the world to come but live in victory now inheritance worship team come worship team come stand if you're able lift your hands to heaven and just praise him today oh merciful God almighty God oh mighty God Almighty oh, God, mighty God, mighty God. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. We only have today. We're not guaranteed that difficulty, tragedy, death may not come knocking at our door. But one thing that we are assured of today, we have this assurance that neither death nor life nor principality nor power or the things present or things to come will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. I don't know why bad things happen to good people. I don't know why one is delivered and one is not. I don't have all of those answers, but what I do have is an overwhelming sense of confidence in the goodness of my Father. What I have is not a, a, a bag of hurt, but a bag of blessing. You say, God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Lord, I don't understand everything, but what I do know is whatever I have need of, you have provided. I'm going to ask as heads are bowed today. I believe that there's somebody in this house right now in the sound of my voice, you're in this house right now. God has been speaking to you the entirety of the service. You've been speaking to your heart. There's been an overwhelming sense of almost anxiety. It's like, oh man, I got to get my heart right. I got to get my heart right. You're wondering, what is this? What is this? It's the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit.